Welcome, everyone, to the latest edition of BAMS Radio. And this is Drew DeArmond, uh, the uh, co-host of this show. We're going to be flying with just two tonight. It's going to be the dynamic duo of myself and Thomas the Wizard Watts, the wizard behind the curtain from the port city of Mobile, who does an outstanding job uh, always helping us to record this podcast and bring it to you each and every week. William Breakfast Barger is uh, tied up this week, so we will not hear from him. Hopefully, he'll give us some thoughts previewing the Iron Bowl next week. We should have him back. Uh, but uh, Thomas and I will talk some Alabama Crimson Tide football and some basketball. As I was in Tuscaloosa last night, Bernado's biggest win so far uh, as head coach of the Crimson Tide as they beat a very good Furman basketball team from the Southern Conference, 81-73 uh, to 73 inside Coleman Coliseum. It will be the final time until December the 6th that the Tide is in Tuscaloosa because they're going to head to the Bahamas next week uh, for the Thanksgiving holidays and play some team called the North Carolina Tar Heels. Uh, and Cole Anthony, the son of Greg Anthony, Roy Williams, Hall of Fame coach, multi-time national champion. It will be the sternest test in the early days of the Nate Oates uh, uh, era in basketball. And we'll talk about that a little bit later, but going to bring Thomas into the conversation. Thomas, uh, good evening, sir. How are you? And uh, uh, this is a, uh, I would call it a somber edition of BAMS Radio. As everyone knows, uh, what a uh, last few days, how difficult this has been since uh, Saturday, uh, just after lunchtime in Starkville, Mississippi. Well, for me personally, Drew, my birthday is tomorrow, so I've had a good week. But I, I can Happy certainly... birthday, early birthday, by the way. My Thank friend. you. Yeah, uh, I'm officially uh, my, the highlight of my birthday week. Drew has been uh, I got a new pair of boots just to wear with jeans, and I texted a picture of them to my 14 year old cousin, and suddenly I am cool again. So you oh, know. oh, there you go. And by the way, Thomas, <laughs> if, if you don't mind sharing it with us, I do call you the Wizard all the time. I am personally I go by Alabama football player jerseys now. I am officially Daryl Blackburn, and uh, and very soon I'll be Marvin Constant. There you go. In 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 uh, in uh, April, what will you be, sir? So I have been C.J. Mosley for a good long while. Now I'm going to be Anthony Jennings. I'm kind of in a linebacker frame of mind. Oh yes, very very much so. Also, one of my favorites of all time, Larry Bird. So we we appreciate that, even though that's not Alabama related. Yeah. So appreciate that. Congratulations and early birthday wishes to Thomas Watts. I'm sure the Bama Nation will be very kind to you, sir, via social media. So here's hoping. Uh, yeah, I'll, keep, I'll, I'll, I'll load the hot take cannon just to piss everybody off. That's the plan. Well, <laughs> I've been a big part of the hot take cannon, Thomas. I know we follow each other on social media and especially on the Twitter platform. And as you can tell, since uh, Saturday afternoon, it has not been boring. Uh, with some of the hot takes with Tua Tungo Vailoa. It it absolutely, Thomas, and I know I sent this to you yesterday uh, via uh, uh, text. I sent you a, a, a about a seven-minute phone conversation I had on my radio show. It really boggles my mind, some of the takes of these Alabama fans when it comes to Tua Tungo Vailoa. I mean, I don't get angry on my radio show too much, Thomas. But as you could tell yesterday, I was triggered by a friend of mine named Spencer. And he is actually a friend of mine. Very nice young guy. Uh, he now lives in Texas. He had lived in the state of Alabama. Attends Alabama games. He's not a troll. He's not a make-believe Alabama fan. He really triggered me yesterday, Thomas, by, by basically saying Nick Saban chose the wrong quarterback and that Tua Tungavailoa is not a clutch player. And he was too injury prone. I just I don't get some of these takes, Thomas. It really it really angers me because they try to poke holes into a Tungo Vailoa instead of just praying that the young man recovers and understand the greatness that you saw and what he's meant to this program in the last three years. Well, you're absolutely right in that he's been the straw that turns the Crimson Tide drink for the better part of three years now. And I, I'm not to, – to underscore how much the loss affects this football team, honestly, Drew, and it's very hard to do, but I hope you bear with me. If you take the Tua Tango-Vailoa loss, the injury, out of that Mississippi State game, it was almost perfect for this Alabama football team. 
you know, the defense held a decent Mississippi State offense to seven points, and you can argue that it should have been a straight shutout. And then the offense was pretty much unstoppable for a half. Unfortunately, the injury to Tua happened. You, know, you can't ignore that. But talking about some of the hot takes, I, I, can, I see the argument with injury-prone with the ankle thing, but at the same time, the dislocating one's hip is a freak deal. Like, how many times can you remember it happening to anyone? You know, I remember the C.J. Mosley injury because I was in the building for that one against LSU. Obviously, we just saw the 201. And the one that everybody harkens back to is the Bo Jackson injury. But there's a lot of difference between the Bo Jackson injury and the Tua Tonga-Vailoa injury. The more specific thing being that they pretty much reset it and got it back, even though it was damaged, in the proper socket at the stadium, which mm. hopefully, you know, I'm not a doctor. I don't pretend to be. Or what I tell people is I'm a PC doctor. I'm not a person doctor. Um, but hopefully he will be able to rehab, and that's what it looks like. But the team should – it sounds like even Nick Saban's fairly gutted by this set of circumstances. And – not to overlook Western Carolina, which I think we both believe the Crimson Tide will be able to name their score against. It does kind of put this upcoming game again, the Iron Bowl. It puts it in a completely different light because I really think I thought that Alabama was thirty to forty points better than Auburn with Tua. And really? now, oh yeah. Mm. I think I think Auburn's defensive line's the only thing good about that defense. And LSU should have scored more points than they did given their yardage outputs. Like if you if you give LSU the yards per point that they had against Alabama against Auburn, they score something like forty two because they had over five hundred yards of total offense, and that was in a sloppy environment like that. that they, a rainstorm happened in Baton Rouge, so it's not even like the field was playing at peak condition. But now there are questions, and they're fair questions to be asked by both. The Bama fans, Bama coaches, and the community, the college football community writ large. But I'll tell you, Drew, I, I don't. I we'll talk about Auburn more next week. But even with Tua's injury, there's a heck of a lot of talent on this offense. So I think it can be effective. It's just not going to be able to rip off a 50 or 60 that I think Alabama would really need to make a huge statement to the committee. Yeah, and uh, I think we uh, agree no matter what because Mac Jones put up 48 in, two, in just a little over two quarters against Arkansas, uh, and they won that game 48-7, to seven, Thomas, that uh, Alabama is going to pound Western Carolina. I mean, this is a team that lost 31-13 to 13 to Samford, who's playing Auburn this weekend. I will be disappointed, honestly, even with uh, all the injuries. And it wasn't just two of them got hurt in the game. I think you won't see Henry Ruggs. He had some, uh, you know, bruised ribs to hold him out. Uh, and then the defensive injuries just continue to mount. Raquan Davis sprains an ankle. He misses the end of Mississippi State game. Padarian Mathis, who we didn't know about uh, until the end of the game. And DJ Dale, who went out early with a sprained knee. The D-line is only going to have seven guys available. And that's counting, I think, I, I'm assuming this, Thomas, Nick Saban said it. On Monday in his press conference, he said, look, I mean, <laughs> he said, we are not, you know, we're, we're going to have seven available defensive linemen. And I took that to mean guys like Fedarian Mathis. He said a couple that haven't played and maybe Braylon Ingraham. Uh, they're, they're, you know, and luckily that's why this new rule, I love it, the four games, because if you get banged up late in the season, you can use people like situationally against an opponent like this to take a look at them. But this defense, is really banged up, and that's what kind of worries me about the Iron Bowl, Thomas, because we don't really know who's going to be available and how effective they're going to be. So it puts more pressure on this offense you were talking about, and I agree with you completely. If Tua Tunga by Loa were healthy, I would have been supremely confident that Alabama was going to win this ball game and and against Auburn and win it handily. Now with Mac Jones, I've told, I've said on my show and others that I would favor Auburn in a close one right now, very tight one, because I just don't know about Mac Jones because the biggest thing is I expect him to play well like he did against Arkansas this Saturday, but he's never started on the road in the SEC, and 
He played in the second half against Mississippi State. Alabama only scored three points. And a few times he didn't look too good against the rush. And so it'll be different. He's going to be able to take all the reps. I understand that. But to me, there's even unknown on the offense a little bit. Now, the talent around him should be healthy. The skill guys, Ruggs will be back. I agree with you completely. And the offensive line has gotten better. But I'm still, it's the trigger man is so important. And I'm I'm not trying to doubt Mac Jones. I just have to see it, I guess is what I'm saying. No, I I 100% agree. And that's why I say, you know, Pete, uh, Drew, I'm sure you get this. I've gotten it several times. You know, will Alabama make the college football playoff? And the thing, my reply is always, we don't, I don't know. And the I don't know is specifically tied to how good is Mac Jones against an Auburn Tigers team on the road? And, you know, I, I, again, I, I don't mean to be just completely tossing Western Carolina aside, and I'll repeat myself next week. One of the things that Mac Jones is going to have to do that he didn't have to do against Arkansas is really stretch the field. If Auburn only has to play sideline to sideline, ten yard in a 10-yard box, sideline to sideline, Alabama's going to struggle. But if Mac Jones is able to pop a couple of long gainers, a couple of like throws over the top so that Kevin Steele backs off, then this offense can do some things. But, you know, barring the one touchdown pass that he had to, I believe, Jerry Judy in the Arkansas game, which was a gorgeous 40-some-odd-yard throw, we haven't really seen that from Mac. So the question is completely fair. I'm not quite to the point of I'm favoring the Auburn Tigers, uh, I honestly, Drew, you hit on the injuries with the defensive line. I want to see how Alabama comes out of this Western Carolina game because we really have gotten to the point, you know, talking about this football team, that they are scraping the bottom of the barrel to find a defensive lineman that's a D1 level guy. You know, you mentioned guys we haven't seen. I think we'll see Ish Sopshire in as a rotational guy. Yeah. And, and you know, that's, that's yeah. just one guy. So. If, if you have more injuries in this depleted group, honestly, if, if here's, here's the other part of the question. You know, we talked about Mac Jones. The other part of the question is, do you have faith that a guy like Ish Hopshire can play when the lights are brightest in Jordan-Hare? And given what we've seen this season, I have a hard time believing that. So th- there's a lot to watch in this game this week, even to how it translates to next week against the Auburn Tigers. Yeah, and so and certainly, Thomas. So one of the things you'll be watching uh, is, is is how this team plays, even in this game. Uh, you know, and, and they and they can't afford any injuries against Western Carolina. I mean, Thomas, we uh, the biggest storylines since 2017 almost for this Alabama team has been the injuries because they've just been decimated. But I'll be but I'll be honest. I was thinking about this yesterday. I've never – this year has been the worst. I've never in my life seen this kind of uh, – these kind of injuries. Because when you think about this, I thought this team had a chance in the preseason. We talked about it on BAMS radio. That to be an, uh, the best team in the country, go undefeated, uh, and be a lead on both sides of the ball. But the defense has been decimated. You lose Dylan Moses, who could have been the best player in the country in his position at Mike Linebacker. Uh, Joshua McMillan, you lose him. He would have been the starter at will. You lose LeBron Ray, who could have been an all-SEC level defensive end. He has not, he's not played since South Carolina. I mean, it just it's amazing to me. And then now with Raquan Davis going down for uh, you know a period of time, uh, being injured, we've seen uh, Shine Carter get banged up some. Uh, you know, it's the injuries. Have, and then Josh Job hasn't performed up to standard. I thought he would be a breakout this year. Uh, this, this defense for, you know, you know, I hate to say this, but it, it's – and then Terrell Lewis, he has the, 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 uh, the uh, knee scare against South Carolina and had to miss some time. I, it's been amazing. It's really been a shell of itself. I mean, and I think some of it, as uh, us as uh, people that follow this program, have almost been – I mean, too harsh on it. I mean, I know I've been very harsh on Pete Golding, but it's also going back to some things I saw last year. But when you think about how many freshmen they've played, six freshmen at times, when you think about Shane Lee, you think about Christian Harris at linebacker, DJ Dale, Justin Aboigby, Byron Young, Jordan Battle. I mean, they've played so many guys, so many freshmen on this group. 
and then the, and the injuries just continue to happen. I mean, wow, this has just been an unbelievable season so far. The offense, for the most part, uh, you know, except for Chris Owens getting a little banged up at center, has been okay, and that allowed Landon Dickerson to move over. And then you saw Cornbread, uh, Deontay Brown, come back from his suspension. They've been fortunate on the offense, except for, of course, Trey Sanders in the preseason, and we don't know how good he could have been. And now with Tua Tungo Vailoa, but I here's here's what I said, and I think I even said it on this show. I said Alabama. If they want to win a national championship, has two players they can't afford to lose. Tua Tungo-Vailoa and Dylan Moses. And now we won't see either one of them uh, against the Auburn Tigers by the end of the season. The injuries this year have just been unreal. And I'll say this, and I'll go ahead and say it. If Nick Saban gets this team to 11-1 and and they beat Auburn and Auburn, it will lead to the firing of Gus Malzahn before he gets back to the locker room. And in my opinion, it will be the greatest coaching job he's ever done because Thomas, he's having to coach coaches too because I think they've got some deficiencies on this defensive staff. He's having to take on another large load like he did a year ago. And when you combine all these injuries, I mean, I, I just I cannot say this enough. Alabama fans, do not take Nick Saban for granted. This is why, to me, he's going to go down as the greatest of all time. It's very difficult to do what he's done with this football team, and they've got to. And if Mac Jones is, if they can get him ready to play, if Steve Sarkeesian can keep this offense rolling, to me, he ought he should win the Broyles Award. He probably will not. But this this season has been one of the most difficult, even though the schedule maybe hasn't been as as hard. But from an injury standpoint, this has been the most difficult one I think of the Saban era. I think you're right. I, I'm. You know, you just said it, and I started. I started really thinking about Dylan Moses. I, I've tried. I hate doing this just because I don't like the Texas fan if Colt McCoy hadn't gotten hurt thing. But yeah, just just to sort of contextualize for fans in terms of you know, you mentioned Dylan Moses. You mentioned Tua Tonga Vailoa. If Dylan Moses is healthy against LSU, Markel Benton's not playing in the dime package, which is what Alabama had to stay in to kind of contain LSU's offense. Markel exactly. Benton was one of the weakest links in that package, if not the weakest, depending on how you view assignments. Dylan Moses is like Markel Benton with a bottle rocket shoved up his derriere and lit the entire time. That almost certainly changes that game. Is Alabama's defense five points better? I don't want to speculate about that, but I'm just saying we're you would see an enormous step forward and it suddenly brings into question, Drew, uh, you know, we both obviously follow the program, and you mentioned some defensive staff deficiencies. But, you know, how much of this season, given the cavalcade of injuries, do you put at the feet of the coaches being unable to kind of next man up players that aren't ready to perform at, a, you know, a national championship level? Well, you know, I'll be honest with you. I think they've got deficiencies at all three levels. You know, I, I don't think Brian Baker is a great defensive line coach. For one thing, he's been lazy as hell on the recruiting trail, okay? I'll just call it like it is. He hasn't done the job. I think that's why that Bo Davis, there's a good chance he could be back in Crimson because Nick Saban needs guys like Sal Sunseri that he can trust. I, Sal's guys, Jennings and, and, uh, and Lewis, have, have produced. I think they've got six sacks apiece. They've both been really good. You know, Anthony's had a couple of uh, offside penalties, but come on, man, I can handle that. The guy's a warrior. Uh, he's overcome a severe knee injury. So is Terrell. Uh, both of them are going to have to be big factors in the Iron Bowl, you know, in, in a week from Saturday. Uh, and I and I like Charles Kelly, the former defensive coordinator. He's a veteran. Uh, Xavier McKinney's been as good as any safety in college football to me this year. But I just think when you look at Pete Golding, I know he called some, a lot of the defensive signals last year. He's called them this year. Alabama in the big games. And this will be another one in Auburn. I mean, they just have not looked good. They have not tackled well. And my point is they haven't been assignment sound. It goes back to what you're talking about with Markel Benton. They haven't looked well coached. There's been a lot of bad angles taken, missed assignments. And I just have had questions about Pete Golding as a recruiter and also – as an inside linebackers coach about these guys getting better. Because 
we've all seen what Mac Wilson's done in the NFL this year, Thomas. He's been good. He was good his first two years at Alabama. When Pete Golding gets in here, he goes into the shitter. Okay? And I can say that on this show. He went into the tank. I know Mac is narcissistic as hell. We've all seen him on social media. But is he the first dude that's been narcissistic that's played for Nick Saban? No. And I think that's a coaching issue. And then Carl Scott, I think he's a good recruiter, Thomas. I really do. He's had some he's done a good job on the trail. But the corners have gone backwards. Job is missing in action. Scooby Carter just transferred. And I can say this on this show. Scooby Carter was a problem from the jump. But he was recruited by Carl Scott from the state of Texas. Carl Scott couldn't reach this kid. This kid was such a problem, Thomas, and such a a malcontent. I think a Yabi and Noma kind of helped poison the water there. But he, he just never would buy in. And I'll just say it. It's well it's well known behind the scenes. He got his ass knocked out on the practice field because he was dogging it by Raekwon Davis. Raekwon Davis had had enough, and Raekwon knocked him cold. And they had to go stick him up. That's a big man to do that. <laughs> and you know how big Raekwon is. I mean, he's yeah. one of the first dudes you ought to have off the bench and, or, and off the bus. And he knocked, he knocked Shy Carter cold, okay? Because he just he couldn't he said you're dogging it man you're not doing what you're supposed to do. Just and then to be clear, we're time, talking Scooby, not Shy Carter. Oh, excuse yeah, me, did yeah, I say I, that? My apologies. Yeah, no, that, I just Scooby wanted to make Carter. sure we were clear to our listeners. That's all. Scooby Carter, continue. true freshman from Texas, defensive back, and I can say this now because he entered the transfer portal. He is gone from the program. Shy Carter is a great leader and one of the uh, captains of this team. Now, Shy's play has been up and down this year as a senior. And that's been a little disappointing. But I thought he played really well at Mississippi State. I really did. I thought the and entire did. defense was just locked in against Mississippi State. I was so as, – as rough as they looked against LSU, the defense took a huge step forward to make me feel better against Mississippi State. Yes, and, 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 and again, Scooby Carter, he, from the jump, he did not buy in. He's, and the coaching staff thought he was very talented. Had a chance by next year to be a heavy contributor. But right now, Thomas, he's behind a lot of juniors and seniors, guys that have bought, bided their time and earned their opportunity, guys like a Jared Maiden. I know Maiden <coughs> has been uh, you know, a, a little up and down himself. He's missed some assignments, but he's a senior. Nick Saban is just like uh, we've seen him in the past. He trusts guys and, you know, and uh, guys that stay in the program, seniors, he allows them to play and have a role on this football team if they do things the right way, no doubt about it. And so uh, they, he's he, he, he's allowed Maiden to play this year. Maiden's had two interceptions, so he has he's made some plays. Uh, but Jared Maiden, he just got invited to the Senior Bowl. But he, he, you know, uh, but uh, and I will say too though, Jordan Battle in some ways when Maiden has struggled has taken some of those snaps. But I think overall. Uh, you know, it's a it's a veteran secondary, and Scooby Carter was going to have to wait his turn. But he never bought in. He was very petulant and immature. Another time for a road trip, he purposely missed the bus. Thomas, they had to go. Somebody had to go pick him up and take him to the airport. Uh, and maybe it may have even been Texas A and M when he was going home. And so he just decided to miss the bus because he wasn't satisfied with his playing time. I mean, some of these guys really have to mature a lot. And Nick Saban has had to juggle some of that as well as these injuries. But this secondary, to me, has been a little disappointing because of the how much veteran talent they've had. And I just thought that the corners have gone backwards. Sertain has been okay. He's made some plays. Uh, Trevon Diggs was pretty good up until LSU, and he was terrible. And now let me say something else, though. And this is what I can't stand about social media. I'm sure you got messages about it too, man. I, I people owe Trevon Diggs an apology because everybody was down on him because how he played against LSU. I thought he bounced back nicely against Mississippi State, but my lord, how many messages did you see on Twitter as far as direct messages to me and maybe to yourself, and then tweets for everybody to see? Is Trevon Diggs suspended for not going to class? Are you crazy? I think everybody was just assuming it was Trevon and hoping it was because he did not play well. 
but it wasn't for Vaughn. He was a senior. He went to class. Everybody figured out right before kickoff, thanks to Matt Zinnitz of AL.com, and he does a great job as a reporter breaking stories, that it was Shy Carter that got suspended. And I'll be honest, Thomas, uh, or excuse me, Scooby Carter did it again. Scooby Carter, we got so many Carters on this team. But Scooby Carter had gotten suspended for not going to class. Shy Carter has never been suspended in his career. Shaim has been a, a model guy, uh, someone that I think is going to be a team captain on this team that Nick Saban thinks could be a coach in the future. But Scooby Carter had never bought in. I was not surprised when I found out Scooby was suspended for not going to class because of some of the things I just mentioned, Thomas, about missing the bus with Scooby and also getting knocked cold as a wedge by Raekwon Davis. So I wasn't surprised by that. And I wasn't surprised that eventually he went into the transfer portal because I'm sorry, you got guys like Antonio Alfano never bought into. They thought that they were entitled, thought they were going to win starting as a freshman. And they realized when they get to Alabama, it's a meat grinder. Both those guys is addition by subtraction. But I got to say, I felt bad for Diggs because he, the fan base was kind of really raking on him. And I thought that while he didn't play well against LSU and I really said he should burn the tape, I, that's the part of social media I can't stand. Well, and we talked about this a little last week, but I want to reiterate. I'm not sure, like, Trayvon Diggs played poorly against LSU, but some of Trayvon's problem was a failure in technique. And that's where it's sort of, when assigning, assigning blame gets a little bit murkier. Yeah, coaching. I agree, and, yeah. And the, that's exactly where I'm going. I'll be honest, Drew. If I never see an Alabama defensive back use that insane rip technique, which is almost guaranteed to give up three more yards, I will. I, I it will be too soon. It was miserable and awful and frustrating, and it made me want to slam my head into the wall. And that's something I imagine that has been coached. So, you know, I'll take up for Diggs in that sense, but overall. I, I, your, your, your staff take is interesting. I'm not well enough connected to the program to have that kind of insight, but let's talk about the reality of the next two weeks and however Alabama, how it shakes out for the college football playoff or the new year six. I personally think Alabama is going to make a new year six bowl. Um, the only way that the Crimson Tide really make a strong case for playoff inclusion is if they go out and just throttle. And I'm talking 59 nothing. Jesse Palmer mentioned this on the ESPN show yesterday. Talking 59 nothing Ohio State over Wisconsin in a championship game kind of throttle the Auburn Tigers. Because you know the committee is going to fairly question Alabama with Mac Jones. And emphatic, they're still awesome, will carry a lot of weight. But I, I frankly don't expect that to happen. I expect Alabama to make a New Year's Six Bowl, have a good season. But, you know, talking about next year, talking about the staff issues, talking about a bunch of other stuff, I frankly have a hard time believing that Tua Tonga-Vailoa ever puts on a Crimson Tide uniform again and plays. I think he'll be in the stadium at least uh, this upcoming Saturday. But beyond that, I, I have a hard time believing he's not heading off to the draft. Thank you for your service. We enjoyed watching you play here. And that changes some things where you don't have the Tua backstop, where Tua can go score 50 a game and cover for a defense that's struggling at times. So some of the stuff you're describing, you know, technique issues, coaching issues, players not buying in, you know, put it under, you know, start your list, check it twice. That's going to be a lot harder for this team to overcome, even if you assume that Mac Jones wins the starting job. And, I don't know how much fans really cover the recruiting, the high school recruiting angle, but I, I do want to get your take on this, Drew. You know, every time I turn around and look at Twitter on a Friday night, I see Bryce Young, the quarterback commit from uh, California that's coming to Alabama, lighting the score sheet on fire. It, 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 do you see – he hasn't hit a campus yet, obviously, but do you see this as a bona fide quarterback competition between Young and Talia Tonga-Vailoa and Mac Jones and maybe a little Paul Tyson too? Well, first of all, Paul Tyson is the great-grandson of Coach Paul Bear Bryant, and he is a class kid. I watched him play at Hewitt Trustville, but I will just be blunt. 
he is not of the caliber of quarterback of the three you just mentioned. Uh, I don't think he'll push for a starting job. I've made the statement that I didn't think he would ever play uh, starting quarterback at Alabama. I think if he ends up playing somewhere, he'll go to a smaller school. And that's no disrespect toward him. It's just uh, I think the other three guys are better players. Uh, Mac Jones will be number one, especially after how we've seen this season play out. He's going to end the, the season as QB1 at Alabama. Nick Saban will will uh, give him that respect, and he will go in to spring practice as the number one quarterback. He's going to get some very valuable playing time at the end of this season. But I do think the future at the position is either Talia Tungo-Vailoa or Bryce Young. And do I think Bryce Young is an, an elite talent? Without question. Now, I am not ready to say. Now, I've got people that have told me he's better than two at the same stage, but you know how that goes. I am not ready to say that, Thomas. And I will reserve judgment, and you and I are both involved in Red Elephant Club and stuff like that, until this spring when Bryce Young enrolls and I see him in practice, okay? Because one of the days that I'll never forget as an Alabama football fan, and it's why I've been so emotional this week and so sad, and I'm sad now, and I'm getting emotional, that 13 is not going to probably finish his career on the field like he should have. Because when I first, when I saw him in a scrimmage the first time, Thomas, I was a little jaded, man. After the Blake Barnett deal blew up, and I was positive that Blake Barnett was going to re, re, you know be a, a superstar quarterback at Alabama and maybe redefine the position, and have a chance to be the first freshman quarterback, probably redshirt freshman in my mind, to be a starter at Alabama, and it just never materialized. I was not buying the five-star height with Tua. I had to see it. I, I knew what Trent Dilfer was saying, but I, I and I had seen film with a kid, and he had won the Elite 11 just like and been MVP just like Blake Barnett. But I wasn't convinced until I saw him in his first scrimmage, Thomas. And I've told this story before, but I turned to the people around me and I said, that is what a five-star quarterback is supposed to look like. He was the greatest I'd ever seen. And you remember the football team he joined. That was a national championship team, Thomas. He came in against a defense that was one of the best in college football and was shredding them like they weren't even there. And, I mean, I I was blown away. I knew he wouldn't start right away because of politics and because Jalen Hurts had led Alabama to nearly a national title in 2016 and had been freshman of the year in the SEC and offensive player of the year. So I knew he would have to earn it on the field. But there was no doubt in my mind he had that capability. And I think the biggest mistake Nick Saban made that year was not playing him more. Because I'm still of the opinion when 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 two when Jalen Hurts went in the tank, and that's exactly what Jalen Hurts did, the worst performance of his career was later that year at Jordan Hare Stadium. If he had given Tua a chance in that game, I think he could have rallied Alabama to give them a chance to win. Because I really think he's that good. Thomas Hell, he did it on the the greatest comeback in college football history and Alabama football history, in my opinion, because of what's at stake, what he did in the national championship game against Georgia in their backyard in Atlanta, when he, when he brought Alabama back to win the national championship and through the greatest touchdown pass in college football and Crimson Tide history, you don't think he could have done that at Jordan Hare stadium. I think after the Tennessee game, Saban should have been playing him in every game. I know that he, 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 they were undefeated and winning, so he didn't want to upset the apple cart. But I still think, along with not throwing the ball, letting A.J. McCarron win the 2013 Iron Bowl, that's the two biggest mistakes of Nick Saban's career with the Crimson Tide. But I'll say this. Tua, from the jump, was the greatest that I've ever seen. And I'm going to reserve judgment until I see Bryce Young in a scrimmage, and then I'll let everybody know. But I think he has a chance to be another quarterback, uh, you know, that can can take the torch and continue to play at an elite level. And I'll say this, all these, we talked about at the beginning of this show, all these Alabama fans that have 
that, and there's some out there that still believe Jalen Hurts should have been the starting quarterback, give yourself a lobotomy and understand something. If you don't have Tua Tungo Vailoa throwing 87 touchdowns in nearly just under two years of Alabama football and rewriting the record books, there is no Talia Tungo Vailoa. There is no Bryce Young. Neither one of them are here. And I and again, I've been really high on Talia Tungo Vailoa. I still think he's going to give Bryce Young all he wants to try to win this job eventually. Uh, and and I'll make a prediction. Do I think Mac Jones will be the starter next in 2020? Honestly, I don't. Even though I think he's going to get a jump on everybody else, I think that both of those guys are more talented than him. Now, maybe he might start the beginning of the season. But I think if both these guys are as good as I believe, it's going to be very difficult to hold them off. But, again, Mac, Mac has got two years left. But Bryce Young and Talia Tungo-Vailoa, they're it, they, are, they will, would not be here if it wasn't for Tua. You, everybody should owe Tua so much gratitude. He could have gone to any school in the country. Nobody expected him to go to Alabama. And when you go back and look at the recruiting process, Thomas, he was visiting a lot of schools uh, in the Southeast and was was supposed to see several on his tour. But when he got to Alabama, something just clicked and he canceled a lot of visits and he ended up going back home and then committing to Alabama. This is a kid that grew up dreaming of being a USC Trojan and but decided to come to the University of Alabama because of the he, he liked the, the religious environment and the faith around the university and the program. And he thought there's a lot of godly people around it. And again, he wanted to play on the highest level of football for Nick Saban. And you have to understand this guy is transcendent. He is someone that has meant so much to this program. And if, and if he had not come to Alabama with all these injuries and some of the coaching staff issues that have happened, he has covered up a lot of things, Thomas. I don't think this program, they certainly, they sure as hell wouldn't have won the national championship in 2017. And they would have not made the college football playoff last year, and they wouldn't have been in contention this season. He has been unbelievable in his performance. And I'll say this. People have talked about his durability. There's not a durability issue until now with Tua Tungabailoa because of this latest injury, this hip, as Thomas has called it. It was a freak injury. Before that, he was just hurt. And, I mean, I wouldn't say he wasn't durable because he had missed one start with the two ankle injuries. He had only missed one, and it was against Arkansas this year. He did not miss any starts last year. Jalen Hurts had the same injury, and he dogged it in his rehab. And he did not rehab as hard as he should have because he wasn't QB1. And so he missed five or six games when Tua was a warrior and came back. So, again, Jalen was a good football player at Alabama. He wasn't transcendent. He had one bright moment against Georgia, which is a moment in time we all loved and we appreciated. But Tua Tungo-Vailoa has been the reason this program has stayed, you know, amongst the uh, the top two, one to two in the country along with Clemson and why Nick Saban loves Tua so much. He has done a great job as a leader and as a football player, and that should never be questioned. And his toughness should never be questioned. This the thing that the only thing that probably Tua should learn to do is throw the ball away, because I, I just so wish that he was still on the field right now. And I was ready to just tell him to go off into the sunset and and go to the NFL and try to be the top pick in the draft and then redefine the position in the National Football League, which I think he can do. And but now that he got hurt, selfishly, I would love him to come back as a senior so we could have one we could see him one more time and hopefully have an injury-free year and, and just completely shatter every SEC record, not just Alabama record, to show people how good he is. But I don't think that'll probably happen. I think everything will be on the table. But I think he's going to be able to recover quick enough to probably still uh, declare for the draft. Matt Zenitz has reported that from three NFL you know, front office executives, he would still be a top 15 pick. He's probably not going to be the top two or even top five pick he should have been. But he might go to a better situation now. But selfishly, I would love him to come back and play just to rip everyone apart again and show people really how good he is. But I know there's so much money at stake and he can take care of his large family because he has such a large extended family. And his brother has waited patiently for his opportunity to try to compete with Bryce Young. So 
But, I mean, I just can't tell you enough, though. I know I've gone on a long diatribe here. What I think Tua Tungavailoa means to this program, and I hope he gets a long-standing ovation, one that we've never heard before uh, from the fans in Bryant-Denny Stadium on Saturday when it looks like he's going to be back in the stadium cheering on his brothers against Western Carolina. I'll be there if my voice is kind of you know gravelly and crunchy when we record BAMs, that that's why. Just, just expect it. But no, I, I think your your synopsis of what Tua Tungavailoa has meant to this program is, is both fair and accurate. And we'll see. I again I have a hard time believing he'll come back. I, I just it doesn't make a lot of monetary sense to me. But stranger things have happened, so wait and see. I personally I said earlier in the show I'd be stunned and I'll stand by that. But God help the SEC if he comes back for his senior year because Oh, boy, he'll probably bring a couple of people back with him. But anyway, Drew, you know, mentioned Western Carolina, and I know we're, we're getting up about where we wanted to end the show. What's your score prediction for uh, for this weekend's game? Well, I think Alabama's going to win it handily. You know, this team is – this Western Carolina, this is not Georgia Southern. This is not, you know, a, a really good 1AA football program. I think they're going to win 56-7. to seven. I would have said nothing. 56 and get a shutout, but there's so many injuries on defense. There's going to be Nick Saban's going to empty the bench. He's going to play a lot of guys. So I think they'll give up a score to Western Carolina, but I think Mac Jones will play. I'm interested to see how much Talia Tungo by Loa plays because I was a little surprised they played him at the end of the Mississippi State game, Thomas, because now he's played in four games. But I think that, that what Nick Saban and the staff were thinking was they knew Tua was out for the year. And so you have to have a backup ready to go. Because what if Mac Jones gets hurt? This season has been so disastrous with injuries, you can't not be prepared for even that. So uh, so you got to have Talia Tungo-Vailoa ready. He'll probably play Saturday, which will burn his red shirt, and then be ready to go against Auburn. Auburn's got a hell of a front. If they're able to rush the passer and, you know, Mac gets a little dinged up, you're going to have to play Talia in that game too. So – that was why, in my rationale, I was like, I don't think it'll happen. I agree with you. But I thought, well, what if Tua came back? Because then, if Tua came back, you could redshirt Talia next year. And you and Bryce Young would be cool, trust me. Bryce Young is going to have no issue sitting behind Tua Tungo-Vailoa for a year redshirting and then getting a chance to, to compete for the job. I even think Mac Jones would stay, probably. Uh, because I know he would only have a one-year shot but he would be a red shirt. He would be the backup next year again. And as a graduate and a red shirt senior, he would be able to compete for the job. And if he didn't win said job, he would probably transfer after the spring. That could still happen this spring if Bryce Young is as good as Tua Tungo by Loa. Uh, or if Talia uh, continues to improve. And I've heard he's improved steadily. Still got some, he's still got a ways to go mentally. He'll still be the backup. Um, his team the rest of the year out of necessity. But Talia, or if Talia, you know, can, makes huge strides in the spring. Because I don't think that's off the table. Uh, so, I and so Mac Jones, and I'm assuming that Mac's getting ready to, it's been over uh, about three years. He's He was a really good student when he came to Alabama. So I'm assuming there's a good chance probably he could graduate this spring. So Mac Jones could graduate transfer after the spring if one of those two young quarterbacks wins the job and Tua moves on to the NFL. Or he could even do it if Tua came back and he didn't want to be a backup again and was like, okay, I got two years left. I'm going to go try to be a starter. I got some very valuable playing time at the end of this season against Arkansas as a starter. People saw me and against Western Carolina and Auburn. And as you said, into a a New Year's Day bowl game. Well, hey, I've shown people I can play. Now I'm going to move on. And then Talia could be his backup along with Bryce Young and Paul Tyson. And then you, those guys compete for the job, uh, you know, along with Drake May coming in as long as he stays committed when Tua moved on to the NFL after his senior year. So there's a lot of things on the table. I, I'm going to be fascinated to watch. I still say I'm, I agree with you. I think that Tua is probably going to move on to the NFL. So Mac Jones will get his shot this spring. If he doesn't win the job, then I think he would move on to try to start somewhere else. Uh, you know, but I will say if Mac wins the starting quarterback job, and that, that that's another scenario you need to look at if Tua moves on, he could be here for two years and be the starting quarterback. If that's the case, 
than Bryce Young with, with red shirt next year and, and stick it out. Probably get to play a lot like he or Talia, whoever won the backup job, would play a lot like I would say Tua probably uh, did uh, when, when Jalen was there because they, they think he's good enough to play and they want to have him ready because, again, you never know when injury could happen and then eventually would take over. Uh, and then Drake May would be in, into the conversation too eventually. But there's, it's, that's why it's going to be so fascinating what happens later after this season now because it, it kind of changed because everybody assumed Tua was gone and they still do. But until now, because of we haven't seen him start rehabbing, we know the surgery was considered an ultimate home run success. But until he gets back and starts working out and proves to these NFL people that he's right and then declares, it's still up in the air. And so, as you said, uh, like last year, Thomas, I would have thought Justin Herbert, because all you heard all last year was that the Oregon QB, if he had come out, would have been a top five pick. And he comes back to school and shocks a lot of people. And two is a different guy. I mean, I know that uh, he's very religious. His family is relocated to Alabama. They're all they're very tight knit. I do think that they, of course, need the money, and they and it, it would change their lives. And uh, you know, and and, uh, and that would be very very important. But you know, I could also see Nick Saban trying to put a sale. I would if I were Nick Saban. Uh, I told a good friend of this show, Rodney Orr, that if I were Saban, I would. My biggest thing right now with these juniors, Thomas. I would be with what happened with Tua. You never wanted to see that, and everybody's down. And Saban always wants what's best for his players. If he thinks they're a first-round pick, he will tell them to go. But if a lot of times he'll also say, "Hey, but if you're a borderline guy, and we don't know how this is going to affect Tua because Tua's it is going to his stock's probably going to slide a little bit." Well, then if I'm him, I'm going to try to take advantage of it and try to re-recruit a lot of these juniors. I mean, Jerry Judy is certainly gone. He's going to be a top five pick. I mean, we'll see with Xavier McKinney. He's had one hell of a year, but I think he's another one that uh, was probably going to be mid to late. So he, you might be able to try to re-recruit him. I think the two offensive tackles, uh, Jedrick Wills, I know William thinks he's a top 15 pick. I'm not so sure of that. And Alex Leatherwood, I would be trying to re-recruit them. Henry Ruggs, he can run a 4-2. He's probably going to be a mid-first rounder, but – you know, what if you told him, hey, you know, Judy's leaving, so you're going to get a lot more touches than this. And even Devontae Smith, too. Devontae's had a monster year, but he could be another guy that's going to be a, have a heavy role in the offense in a season from now. You're, uh, most of these guys are probably still going to move on. And then Dylan Moses, who's uh, trying to overcome a bad knee injury, I think he needs to come back. I think besides finishing this recruiting class strong, Thomas, one of Nick Saban's biggest things he needs to be trying to do is – because it's trying to re-recruit a lot of these juniors to come back to school next year. Well, it'd certainly help. And we have, because here's the problem with Alabama's, and I put this in air quotes, failure of a recruiting class a couple of years ago in terms of it's not number one. So that's, that's why I put failure in air quotes. Those guys are now supposed to be, supposed to be the frontline contributors. And you've already had defections in Ayabe and Oma. And uh, we've mentioned Scoot yep. Carter as well. So you could certainly use a bridge year to get back into that run of number ones or even, you know, to let the number one class that Alabama got last year bridge into where they're the major contributors. So we'll see. I think a lot of this is going to depend on what the draft landscape looks like. Uh, One of the big reasons that I have trouble seeing Tua coming back, and I understand you say he's a different cat and I don't disagree, is that. This year, he's heads up against Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. Agreed. Both of both of those quarterbacks have fairly obvious warts. Um, oh. Trevor Lawrence of the Clemson Tigers doesn't have those. Maybe a little yeah. bit of interception trouble in the early part of this year, but otherwise, he's been just great. So it would it's a completely different ball of wax from an NFL perspective. Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow versus Tua Tonga-Vailoa, and Trevor Lawrence versus Tua Tonga-Vailoa. In the first case, Tua is still going to have a solid argument to be the first quarterback taken. In the Tua versus Trevor case, I think the exact opposite would happen, and Tua would be considered, rightly or wrongly, the clear number two. And that would push him down the board a little bit. But... You know, there's a lot that can happen between now and the draft day. So, so what was your score for Western Carolina? And we can close with some basketball. 
56 to 7. I think the tide's going to roll. And I wanted to say one more thing about the, and this is the last thing I'm going to say about the Jalen and Tua thing, is another thing Tua did for Jalen Hurts. And a good friend of mine pointed this out, and I never really thought about it like this, Thomas. Tua actually saved Jalen's career because if he doesn't come off the bench and rally Alabama in that national championship game and the tide get beat 30 something to nothing, like, I mean, they got soundly whipped by Clemson, of course. That wasn't all on Tua. That was a the football team completely not playing well. But if Jalen, you know, we Alabama couldn't even get past midfield and couldn't make first downs. If they had gotten shellacked by Georgia uh, and Kirby Smart gets a national championship, it would have been very tough for Jalen Hurts the rest of his career at Alabama because he would have lost two national championship games. And it saved Jalen in so many ways from uh, the uh, that embarrassment of being a two-time national championship game losing QB because he rallied them. And then the way Jalen handled himself, which was with class, he really handled himself well, uh, you know, uh, after uh, the game and really credited Tua. And then Jalen staying and competing for the job, losing it to Tua, but staying and being the best backup in college football allowed him to transfer to Oklahoma and finish his career the way he's wanted to. And so I, but the people ought to just give Tua credit for that, too. Tua, they, Tua supported Jalen. And Tua really saved Jalen and saved his career in a lot of ways. And I just want to say that. But I, I'm thinking 56 to 7, Thomas. I wouldn't be surprised if Mac Jones threw for 300 yards and three touchdowns. I think Alabama's going to roll, and I don't think this is going to be a game. I think it'll be over with uh, by early in the second quarter. I think that's fair. I'm going to actually go 52 to 10. I think that the defensive issues, the injuries, the the fact that we're going to be trot that we're that Alabama is going to be trotting out uh, players that haven't seen a snap, let alone a meaningful snap, all season, will let Western Carolina have some very limited success. That's why I think the two scores. But overall, Alabama is going to roll on. It's going to be a good senior day, and uh, we can clear out the clear out for the, the evening block of what should be some decent games for the evening when you're on your drive home. But finally, Drew, uh, I have to admit, uh, we talked about this off air and I'll, 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 you know, point the finger at myself. I was working late last night and I did not get a chance to watch and or listen to Alabama basketball play Furman and you covered it. So my question to you, and then we'll wrap up the show, you know, what, what were your impressions of this team? Obviously, they got to win. You know, where where are if you could peg Alabama fan expectations? Fair, Alabama basketball fan expectations for Nate Oates this year. How are you feeling about this team? Well, it was certainly discouraging to lose the game to Penn, uh, and it was a game they should have won in game one. Honestly, if you had told me when uh, in game two, or if you asked me before the season to look at the schedule, I would have predicted them to lose to Rhode Island. Rhode Island is a veteran, veteran team. Danny Hurley, before he went to UConn, left a lot of good players there. Alabama beat them a couple of years ago in Coleman, 68-62, in a really high-level game. So going to Rhode Island was not going to be easy. So a lot of people were irritated by losing that game, 93-79. But that's a team, to me, that's going to be in the NCAA tournament. You go to their house, you lose. Uh, that's no. They're one of the better teams in the Atlantic 10, probably top three. That, that didn't really surprise me. So the pin game did, but then they beat a very good Furman team, a solid Florida Atlantic team, but a really good Furman team last night, a team that was in the top 25 much of last year. Bob Ritchie does a great job coaching that team. I knew going in, Alabama was only a three-point favorite, Tom, so I was nervous. I knew if Alabama did not play well and wasn't locked in, it would be tough. But I think they were. I knew they wouldn't overlook them because of what happened against Rhode Island. And due to Furman being a good team last year, so they're they're predicted to win the Southern Conference. It's a one bid league. They're still going to have to win, you know, win the ter- conference tournament. I, I think they're definitely capable of doing so. I was very impressed with their squad. I thought Alabama showed a lot of toughness. Uh, I think they they uh, Furman controlled the tempo for over half the game, but Alabama kept pushing and started making shots. I mean, uh, Jaden Shackelford came off the bench, had twenty five. He's going to be an outstanding freshman for Alabama. He was under-recruited. Antoine Pettway did a great job getting him from Hesperia, California. He's going to be one of the better freshmen in this league. And I've been just really impressed with Nato's and his staff. The shape he's got this team in as far as 
Uh, you know, uh, they're in much better physical shape. I thought John Petty, he'd been struggling from the field. He looked good last night in rhythm offensively, had 16, and he defended much better. So I think he's coming along. And then they did a really good job defending Kyra Lewis. He was so fast in the end, but Kyra had to work for it. But he still ended up with 19 points, seven rebounds, four assists, and made six big free throws down the stretch to bounce back from missing the two that could have won the game against Penn. So to help, because that down, you know how big of the, an issue free throws were with Avery Johnson. Alabama was 11 of 12 last night to close out that game. And then Herbert Jones made a huge defensive play, blocking a three because he's one of the best defenders in the country. Losing Herbert really is what cost him the pin game. He was only on the floor for, you know, just a third of the game, Thomas. Uh, and he he's so important to Alabama defensively. I think they would have beaten Penn, you know, by five, six, seven, eight points if he had been on the court. He was, and he was, he was getting into the flow offensively early, too. But he, was, he only scored eight points last night. But he had a huge, you know, defensive play. I thought it was the biggest defensive play of the game because uh, Furman had extended the game. They were hitting threes, but he stepped out, made a block, led to Jaden Shackelford's two free throws. So Herbert intangibly means so much to the team. And then Javion Davis has been the biggest surprise besides Shackelford. Shackelford has really made a uh, immediate impact as a true freshman. But Javion Davis is a redshirt freshman, and this team doesn't have a lot of size. But he's really stepped forward as the starter at the five position and done a great job of scoring the ball, giving Alabama some interior offense uh, the last three games. So I, that it's going to be interesting to see how they do against North Carolina. Certainly that's going to take their best effort of the season to have a chance. And then potentially Iowa State or Michigan. They're going to the Battle of Atlantis you know, for Thanksgiving next in the Bahamas. So it's going to be some very high-level competition. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping Alabama can get maybe a couple of wins in it. Uh, you know, North Carolina, that's probably going to be too much to ask. Though I think Alabama has the firepower to compete if they shoot the ball well. Uh, but I think what, what's going on right now through four games, it's what NATO's went through at Buffalo. It, this is a completely different system Alabama's playing in. And so they're still adjusting to this coaching staff. So I think their best basketball is going to be going forward. Uh, and this out-of-conference schedule is probably as difficult as any in the SEC, but I'm still seeing a lot of progress, Thomas. And I got to tell you this: they scored 81 more last night. What was the, uh, the 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 complaint through Anthony Grant and Avery Johnson that they weren't able to score and play a, an exciting brand of basketball? Well, this group, even though they haven't shot well at times, has still been able to score 80 points per game. I think as they get continually more comfortable in Coach Oates' system, you're going to be some not, you're going to see some 90 points efforts. They're going to shoot the ball well. I'm going to be anxious to see how they do and how they step up because they they know that this is they're going to have to play their best basketball in the Battle of Atlantis. But if they can get a win or two in this tournament, I still think they've got a chance to go on a run and be a team that can get to the NCAA tournament. Because even if they don't win 20 games, their RPI is going to be pretty good because of all these teams they've played. So I do think that the future is bright. They signed Keon Ambrose uh, Hilton this week from Canada, who's a, a combo forward, who's going to be a very good player, a top 80 kid. They're going to sign another piece or two probably in the late signing period. So I still think there's very bright days ahead for Alabama basketball. And it's, it's a huge adjustment under what, what Coach Oates is doing. But I still am really excited about the future, no doubt about it. And I think uh, – uh, Alabama fans just need to be patient with this group and watch closely how they compete in the Bahamas. Uh, and I think it's going to be fun. There's going to be some bright moments later in the year. And I hope the fans stay patient with this uh, this uh, coaching staff and NATO's because I think this is going to be a really fun era of Alabama basketball. And I've still been impressed with what I've seen. Just a little disappointed in the pin loss. But again, if they win their league in the Ivy League, that's not going to be considered a bad loss. And I still think this team has got a chance uh, – to go to the postseason and be a contender in the SEC. They just have to continue to grind and get healthy because much like Coach Saban, they, you know, uh, Alex Reese has gone through some things with his injuries. We talked about Herbert Jones. They've, got, they've lost two guys for the season. So he's got a little bit of a short bench, but this team is playing hard, and I think they're going to continue to get better. Uh, and that's all you can ask for in Nate Oates' first year. Well, 
Drew, it's been a it's been a great fast hour. I ended up hosting more, letting you talk because I've been so focused on my stuff that I didn't have much of a chance to do basketball. But you've got fifty six seven. I've got fifty two ten this weekend. So looking forward to a hopefully a big Bama win early after this early Saturday morning into the early afternoon, and then uh, next week is uh, Iron Ball time. Potential top low tier top ten Auburn. Alabama's last chance to impress the college football playoff committee to see if by some miracle Alabama continues their streak of playoff appearances. You know, lots left to be determined. Uh, the loss to LSU, frankly, made it such that Alabama didn't control their own destiny. But I'm sure uh, one thing I can promise you is post-Auburn game, should Alabama win by 30 or 40, if you come to BAM's radio, I will be stumping for the Crimson Tide. And I will be stumping with facts, not feelings and you know i'll be stoking the outrage because if there's one thing you know having listened to me talk on this program or behind closed doors it's that i cannot stand this college football playoff committee and it 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 it's ants on skin but that's for next week's that that's next week next week's problem for this week we'll focus on senior day thanking the players you know big shout for tua like i said earlier if my voice is gravelly well that's just one of the part part of the part and parcel of the job of being an Alabama football fan. We'll be back next week for more Bams Radio. Hopefully, we'll be we'll be able to have our, our third compadre, William Redfish Barger, with us. But for Drew DeArmond of ESPN 97.7 The Zone, William Redfish Barger, and I am Thomas the Wizard Watts. They let me behind the curtain to do the outro. Drew will be back next week. I promise. He can just laugh behind the scenes. But good night, everybody, and roll tide.